Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Good morning. Welcome to all of you out there in Radioland. This is Father Mike Malloy. We just got our picture taken on um, something. Yeah, uh, on my phone. Oh. I'm going to put it on Facebook so they can see what we look like all today. All right. I'm here with Karen Gibas in beautiful Rapid City, South Dakota. We are today at the Retreat Center, the Terrasancta Retreat Center, which is a beautiful facility. They have a nice, quiet retreat going on, and we are far from that. <laughs> uh, we are on the other side of the building <laughs> right. so that we aren't bothering anybody. So welcome to everybody out there in uh, Radio Land. How are you this morning, Karen? I am great. It was a beautiful morning, nice and calm, and just I'm, I can't wait for fall, so I'm, I'm yes. excited. I like fall, too. Fall is my favorite time of the year. Good. It really is. So um, we have a wonderful show lined up for you today, and we're going to begin this day with um, a prayer asking for God's blessing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Gracious and loving Father, we turn to you this day as we begin our radio show and ask your blessings upon us and upon all who will hear this show today. May it be an inspiration. May it be a gift. May it invite us to grow deeply, more deeply in our relationship with you. May it challenge us and invite us to remove from our lives anything that keeps us from you. We thank you, Lord, for this moment and for the opportunity for us to be present um, with you and with one another. Bless us and bless our show today. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we're off and running. Um, how are you? You said that you were good this morning. Um, so, uh, how are the kiddos? They're great. Yeah. <laughs> Growing like weeds. I'm sure. I, I had the privilege of going to supper at uh, the Gibbous house. Um, what Co- was it? A couple, couple weeks couple ago. A couple weeks ago. We had a wonderful meal and got to meet all the wonderful children except for one. Yep. So, I got to meet seven of them and uh, watch them... Um, do everything from be wonderful teenagers to be um, cute little toddlers, you know. <laughs> I, I think I would use other <laughs> adjectives and adverbs to describe them. Oh, no. They, they were fun. We, we played a game. We played uh, oh, a, trivia a, game. a trivia game. Yeah. And I have to admit that there were some questions I didn't know the answers to. Um, but there were a lot I did. Yeah. Oh, no. You did good. And only on the ones, I think you only missed three questions. And out of those three, I think my kids only answered one of them correctly. So you guys are pretty even on there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> on your no, it, it was, trivia knowledge. It, it was really an enjoyable evening. I enjoyed it very much to, to be with your family. But then I, you know, I like that whole, it's just fun to go to someone's home and watch how they live. Yeah. It, because you, because who we are out in the public and in work and all that kind of stuff is different than who we are at home. So, And I loved going out and looking at all the uh, little chicks and the really ugly chickens that you have. I know. That are all pecked to death. I uh, know. It's kind of gross. Yeah, uh, they got, we butchered over the weekend. So. Did you? Oh, so a few of them look even probably, well, they look. <laughs> they look a lot more appealing. <laughs> So it was re- it was really fun. Well, listen, we have a good show here. We we need to um, ask Eli to give us a little update. All righty, that's me. 
Thanks, Father. Here's what's coming up on this morning's Real Presence Live. Our story, created, captured, rescued. Through three powerful talks, Father John Ricardo, author and speaker, will inspire hundreds at the Diocese of Rapid City Summit 2019. He'll be giving us a preview of what to expect as he leads us from the shackles of slavery to freedom in Jesus Christ. And we may be the first to talk with somebody at risk of suicide, but many of us have little or no training when it comes to knowing if a person is at risk in the first place. That's why Catholic Social Services in the Diocese of Rapid City is holding a two-day workshop designed to give us the tools we need to help those at risk. Evelyn Wilder will share all the details about this workshop and how you can get involved. And it's something that is often undervalued, yet its importance cannot be overstated. What are we referring to, and how is it a crucial aspect when it comes to evangelization? Deacon Mike McEwen of the Diocese of Renew Elm will have those answers during his segment. All this and a whole lot more coming up this morning on Real Presence Live. Father? Great. Sounds like a wonderful show. Lots of interesting things. We hope people are uh, sufficiently uh, inspired to want to listen to the rest of the the show. And we're going to begin that show with visiting with Father John Ricardo. Father John, are you with us? I am. How are you doing, Padre? I'm good. It's good to talk to you again. We we talked, I think, briefly at one point because you, as you have been preparing to come to our wonderful diocese for the summit. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourselves, yourself, Father, before we begin the topic. Yeah, I'm so I'm a priest of uh, the Archdiocese of Detroit, been ordained uh, 23 years. Um, grew up, born, and raised here in uh, in Michigan, beautiful downtown Detroit, where my office is right now. Um, was a pastor for the last 15 years, and then um, about a, seven, eight months ago or so, the Archbishop here in Detroit was gracious enough to uh, say yes to a proposal that I made to him to create a nonprofit organization called Acts 29, which uh, is one of these new voices stepping into the space in the Church that's just kind of passionate about priestly and parish renewal. So I run this organization now with a small team of four other brothers and sisters, uh, just some great folks, and uh, we kind of travel around the country as itinerant missionaries. It's kind of one of the reasons why I'm coming to you guys. Um, Some of us are coming to you guys, actually, um, to share the gospel and to try to communicate what we feel like the Lord's put on our hearts uh, is what we would call essential principles for parish renewal, as opposed to methodologies and whatnot. So that's a thumbnail on me. That's, um, that, that's that's really interesting to listen to that. Uh, you're going to be giving, uh, as I understand it, three talks here at our summit. Our summit is uh, an annual gathering that we have here in the Diocese of Rapid City this year. It's in September. Um, tell us a little bit about, kind of walk us through the, the presentations, you know, at the beginning and then the middle and then at the end. Yeah, sure. First of all, please, you know, if you're listening, please pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will just anoint this time together, and it'll it'll really bear the fruit that God wants to to bring about in our lives. So the the easiest way to explain this would be something like this. I don't think my, my experience is most people, and I would have put myself in this category too, and including many priests, um, we don't step back often enough and just catch the big picture of the story. So, what what actually is the gospel? So, Paul talks about in Romans, he says, you know, the, the gospel is power. The, the Greek word there is the word for dynamite. But the gospel, and he's not talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's talking about the proclamation of what it is that God has done for us in Jesus. That's not experienced as power by most people. And I think one of the reasons is, 
Catholics rarely hear in a condensed, concise fashion what we technically call the charisma, which is just a big fancy Greek word for proclamation. So uh, oftentimes, these last few weeks, I've been just joining some friends of mine and celebrating with them since I'm not a pastor anymore. So I have more time to look at the people in the pews and just kind of observe. And the, the expressions on lots of our faces is something like somebody who wakes up, you know, like chapter 83 of a novel, but I have no idea I'm in a novel. I don't know what the title of the novel is. I don't know who the author is, and I don't know what it's about. We just... We just kind of go through life. And the result of that, in terms of our faith, is we mistakenly think that the gospel's just news. But the gospel isn't just news. The gospel's extraordinary news. It's, it's life-changing news. Once you, once you grasp why I'm here, where I'm going, how to get there, what God's done for me, that, that Jesus isn't just kind and loving and patient. He is all those things, to be sure. He's also absolutely unconquerable. And once you get clear on how the world went off the rails and what God did to put it back on the rails, then it just makes it clear that the only logical response is to surrender your life to God and to go tell everybody you can about the one who you've come to know has rescued you, and you want to be an instrument and an agent to help rescue them as well. That, that might be how I would summarize the, the, the gist of what we're going to try to unpack in that day. Oh, that really sounds exciting. Um, so, so let's just take the the three talks and and kind of break that apart just a little bit more. We don't we don't want to give everybody we don't want to sell the whole store. We want to get people to come, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, start at the beginning. What do we learn about ourselves? And what do we know about ourselves through creation, which is the first of the talks that you give? Yeah, so the, the reason for the three words is, so the kerygma, the gospel's huge, right? So you've you got to try to find a way to synthesize all of this in a way that's repeatable. And so for me, it's really four words. It's created, captured, rescued, and then response. So the three words, created, captured, rescued, that's the summary of the gospel that, as I try to present it anyway. So with each of these, you're asking for a very specific grace, much like St. Ignatius would encourage you when you're, when you're going to pray, you just ask the Lord, Lord, give me this grace as I meditate on these truths or mysteries or scriptures right now. And the grace that you pray with created is um, wonder. And, and the easiest way to explain that would be the universe, we don't even know how big the universe is, right? So it's roughly 46 billion light years across. So you and I, you know, when we pray every day, if you're like me anyway, you get an image in your mind of God. But whatever the image is, it's wrong. It's wrong simply because God is so much bigger, more enormous, beyond my comprehension than I can ever grasp. And yet that God who made this universe without any effort whatsoever, the one creature that he's most concerned about, that he most loves, is me and you. And so most of us, you know, like when we pray, we're trying to make sure that God knows what's going on in our life, which is really kind of silly. Like, so the universe that, that he made is so big, God knows what's going on in my life, and he can handle it, you know? And so to just 
kind of sit with and soak in the truth that um, God's eye is on me, and He loves me, uh, brings tremendous wonder and awe. That, that's the that's the good news, right? So that that might sound nice. That leads to the second word, though, and the second word is, well, if Father, if that's the case, how come my life is so screwed up? How come my mom's got cancer? How come I got cancer? How come my child died? How come whatever's going on in the world is going on? What's that? Go ahead. Uh, we're, yeah, so, um, that's right. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so that, that, that gets us into, so how did everything go so wrong? And we really try to unpack here what we might call the bad news. And I would argue that you, you can't grasp just how good the good news is until you really are overwhelmed by how bad the bad news is. And that's the word captured. So we're just going to try to unpack that. Who is it that uh, tempted man and woman at the beginning of our race? And what was the gist of his temptation? And what's his plan? And what is this enslavement that is uh, experienced by all of us in different ways in our lives? So we're going to try to unpack that a little bit. And that's going to lead to the third word. Father Carter, so what, take anything a, did God do about it? Yeah, well, just take a, a, a just a brief break and let people know if they're just joining us that they're listening to Father John Ricardo, who is preparing to come to uh, Rapid City to um, in, invite us into an appreciation of the good news of our salvation, um, and uh, by sharing with us a synopsis of the three talks he's giving. Giving so you just uh, talked about the second one, and now you were going to move into the third talk, Father Ricardo. Yeah, so the third one is uh, is rescued. And so the, the easiest way for me to... I'll, I'll give you a little teaser, and then we'll unpack this on the day. So um, if I was to show you a picture of the Allies landing at D-Day, and I asked you, what are they doing there? You would immediately answer, right? Yes. So well, they're, they're there to fight. Yeah. If, if I show you a picture of Jesus lying in a manger, and I ask you, why has he come? I don't know that we would as quickly give an answer. And we certainly, and I would certainly argue, wouldn't. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't say he came to fight. And looking at him in the manger, yeah, you would. Right. Yes. I think that's the that's the that's the insight that I feel like the Lord has just impressed on me more and more, which I think is actually really significant for men, because men, once a man, especially, comes to know that Jesus is Lord, and that He's not just kind. He is kind. Blessed be He. <laughs> but He's not just. Kind. He's come to rescue and to fight for his creation that he loves, that he made in his own image and likeness, and he's done it in a most extraordinary way, as we'll try to unpack on that day. Then, as a man especially, because I can only speak as a man, um, all of a sudden it rouses me to follow him like I never have before. Mm-hmm. Wow. This this sounds very exciting. It's... <clears throat> it's um something that will be i think will be a, a great blessing to our to our diocese tell us a little bit about um um the the summit if you can i mean uh, um what you know about that in terms of how it's going to unfold yeah well you know much more than me brother um i keep getting i'm talking back and forth with shauna she's been wonderful and just trying to pass off information i think what i would say is we're really excited just to to be with everybody to to try to let the the scriptures um, just soak all around us so that we can experience anew, all of us, right? Because these things aren't supposed to be things that we learn. They're things that we are just overwhelmed by and then go out and share. 
so we're looking forward to just being with everybody and seeing what God does and hopefully sending us out with a renewed understanding of just what it is that Jesus has accomplished and then eager to go tell others and bring them with us back to church. It's a one longing to be loved. Yep. And it, it, that's what the gospel is all about, right? I mean, the basic message of the gospel is you are far, far, far more important than you ever imagined. You were mm. dying for to God. Beautiful. This is, yeah, this is a really exciting. Um, um, the, the summit... The summit is uh, cost twenty five dollars for individuals or fifty for a whole family. Um, there's more information on how you can register on www.catholicwayoflife.org, <clears throat> www.catholicwayoflife.org, or call the Office of Stewardship at six zero five seven one six five two one four six zero five seven one six five two one four extension two two excuse me two three three, and the registration for. Um, uh, for the youth track is September 15th, the deadline for that. So, Father Ricardo, thank you for being with us. We appreciate very much your time. We've got to move on, but we are looking so forward to having you here for the summit um, um, here in the Diocese of Rapid City. Thanks very well, much. God bless you guys. Thank you. You bet. And just wanted to remind you, the summit is the 28th, beginning at 10 a.m. at Terra Sancta Retreat Center. Coming up next... Um, I'm gonna, uh, Father. I'm gonna be ready to give you some talk, some straight talk about questions you have, concerns about the Catholic faith, an opportunity for, for you to ask me any kind of questions that you'd like, anything that's on your mind, anything that you'd like some understanding, appreciation, or answer to, or to enter into dialogue with you. Following that, we have the 10-minute tour, which will be a wonderful opportunity for us to see what's going on in the rest of the diocese. We're here at Terra Sancta Retreat Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, and Father Michael Malloy with Karen Gibbs. Please return to Real Presence Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The Real Presence Radio Fall Live Drive is coming September 18th, 19th, and 20th. Tune in from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for an amazing lineup of hosts and guests that will inspire, motivate, and move you to evangelize the Catholic faith. Our goal is to raise $600,000, and we know we can do it with your faithful support. Mark your calendar and call in to Real Presence Radio, 877-795-0122. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Events Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. Built Upon a Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. 
Hey everyone, it's Karen Gibis and Father Malloy, and we are here trying to stay out of trouble, but <laughs> we're having well, way too much fun. Yeah, I don't think that's working, but we, you know, we can always hope. Right. So, so I, I don't know if all of you have heard or not, but Father Mike was um, voted as our diocesan administrator with the recent departure of Bishop Groose to the Saginaw Diocese. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit what that means and that whole process of getting elected or voted in as the diocesan administrator? Uh, yes, I can. Um, uh, first of all, it's a rather humbling experience um, to uh, be entrusted with this kind of responsibility. Um, I was elected by the consultors. The consultors are a group of priests. In our diocese, there are six of them. There can be more, but in our diocese, there are six. And um, when a bishop, um, what they call vacates the diocese, leaves the diocese, which happened when Bishop Groose became the Bishop of Saginaw, which was uh -huh. July 26th. The consultors gather shortly after that, and they elect someone to basically run the diocese, to s step into the role of the bishop um, uh, until we have a bishop in our diocese. So I, when you were at supper at our house, you were kind of explaining to the kids about your role and your limitations within that role, and it was yes. very fascinating. I did not realize how much you can or in that can't do. Can't do, yes. Um, an administrator is um, basically becomes the acting bishop of the diocese, and so all the um, uh, normal business of the diocese, all the decisions that have to be made, whatever comes across the desk of the bishop, the administrator deals with. The things that he cannot do um, are a, 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 an, excuse me, an administrator cannot start anything new because you want to allow a new bishop to come in with his own ideas and direction for the diocese. So, so there's no innovation, if you will. Secondly, an, or, an, a bishop or an administrator cannot ordain uh, someone to the priesthood um, or the diaconate. Uh, and then I the steps that leading up to those, like becoming a lecturer, becoming an acolyte, those are things that have to be done by a bishop. Uh, a bishop or an administrator can also not bless the oils at the chrism mass. That has to be done by a bishop. And then the the uh, third thing is uh, an administrator can't m move any pastors or make pastoral changes um, on the level of the clergy for an entire year. So if, if I would be the administrator through July of next year and we needed to move some priests, then I could do that, but not until that time. So again, all of that is designed to uh, kind of maintain and run the diocese, keep going what has gone on until we get a new bishop who then brings his own um, uh, life and spirituality and direction to the diocese. So you don't want to do something that prejudices his ability to, to become the leader of our diocese. Right, and that makes sense. Yes. Uh, now, the, how do they handle when they need a bishop to come in? How does that, do you just call up a bishop and say, hey, I need someone? Uh, yes, we, that's what I basically have to do. I have to get on the phone and call. And, you know, the, the, the obvious, some of the obvious choices would be, um, I mean, the obvious choices are, the province. Right. We live in um, all the whole Catholic world. All the dioceses are grouped into provinces, and our provinces, North and South Dakota and Minnesota. So there's, a, I think, a total of 10 bishops, or nine with <laughs> and one administrator, <laughs> in our province right now. And, <clears throat> and so that would be like one of the choices to look to one of those bishops and say, would you come in? Obviously, we could go back to Bishop Bruce and ask him if he would come back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a good friend in Cheyenne, Father, uh, yep. Bishop Steve Beagler. We could right. certainly ask him. But the reality is we could ask any bishop to come okay. who would be available. 
Um, and, and of course, they have to look at their calendar and see what's going on in, with their lives in order for them to be able to make that choice. Yeah, well, that's really informative. I mean, we until you go through this, you don't even understand the process of what involves when bishop move, when a bishop moves yes. on to a new diocese and what the old diocese has to handle it, in his absence. And it's and it's interesting. You know, I've been at this just for a few weeks, but um, the, it, one of the things that's it's brought to my to my awareness is a real appreciation for all that the bishop does. You know, if if I were to say if, if somebody were to say to me, "What does a bishop do all day?" <laughs> You know, prior to being an administrator of the diocese, I, I wouldn't have known that even even when I worked in the chancery. I mean, I, and he certainly was busy. I mean, it was never like he was sitting around twiddling his, his thumbs. thumbs right. you know? But um, just the the um, amount of information that comes into a bishop's office, whether it's from the bishop's conference or from the parishes or from the priests or from you know the the larger chancery staff, um, that he has to deal with is is something you don't appreciate until you're sitting in that uh, that chair and um and then consequently the responding to and going out you know um yesterday i, I think my secretary put together maybe like 10 letters of various things that i had to respond to um as the um acting you know mm. uh, bishop if you will of the diocese um it, so it's so it's, there's certainly a lot of administration um there's of course visiting with people and uh Attending, I was. I think I was instantly put on <clears throat> three committees um, that the bishop was on when he was here. So I, I assume those roles. So, so there's more meeting activity that I have to be involved with, and and I have to be more attentive to uh, what's going on in the diocese than than I was as a pastor, even as a vicar general. Kind of with my specific piece of of information or specific piece of duties that I had. Right. So, um, so it, it's. You know, it's just given me a great appreciation for bishops. I just came back from the, a meeting of the bishops of our province. And, you know, I walked out of there saying to myself, I have to pray for these men who are bishops in our diocese. And I haven't done that in the past. I haven't thought, I mean, I've prayed for right. maybe the former bishops of our diocese. I certainly prayed for Bishop Groose. I'm certainly praying for our future bishop. Right. But there's guys that are in the saddle right now. Right. And um, the, the responsibility that they bear is, is so, heavy. So what you're saying is until you were in that trench, you didn't recognize the load that they carry. Yes, the load and the responsibility. And, and, and not not just the responsibility and the load in terms of the amount of work they have to do. But spiritual. But the, and the weightiness of the decisions they have to make and the things they have to deal with. Um, and I'm sure that that will unfold as I get deeper into this particular oh. role. Um and so it's, I mean, to, and I, people have always said to me, um, should we congratulate you or, or, you know, um, <laughs> what? And I said, no, I said, no, it's, I, I feel it's an honor. I feel, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that the consultants uh, put their trust in me to do this. A and it's, it's like, this is a great adventure. Yeah. There's, there's growth to happen. There's something to learn. And so I don't feel, um, like weighed down and burdened and I can't wait till this is over. Um, I mean, I, I want a bishop because there's something absent in our diocese yeah, without right. that spiritual leadership. And although I'm trying to fill in that gap, I'm not the one chosen by God through the gift of the Holy Spirit to do that. To do that. And right. so we do, we do need a new bishop and I pray for that every day and I hope everybody, both in our diocese and, and throughout right. the province would, would pray for the, the successor um, for for us here in our diocese, but I don't feel a burden in the sense of this is just something I I um, hate to do and and I'm 
waiting for it to be over, you know, so. Yeah, well, I've heard some very positive feedback from well, good. people around the diocese. Everyone's praying for you, and they're just excited that you're the one who's, I guess, guiding us at the moment. Yeah, you know? that's a good way to say it, guiding us, trying to trying to keep the, the, yeah. the prow of the ship steady in the water. Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, no, I, but I appreciate that, and I hope people continue to do that, and uh, and uh, because those prayers are, are what's going to help us to keep this thing moving forward. So, yeah. Well, Father, thanks for answering all those questions on yep. an impromptu interview. But yeah. um, coming up, we have straight talk, and this is your opportunity to stump the priest. I know you can because uh, you know we did it on our trivia at our house. So that's true. Yep. That's true. Three so. times. Yeah, so go ahead and call in. Um, number is, when it comes back, you get ready with 877-795-0122. And when we come back from our break, it's time to make Father think. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. One of the things that I see happen is, let's say somebody's been listening to the radio and they pick up an idea, they then sit down with their friends at coffee or over cookies and bars, whatever, and they're talking about it and that item, then they say, well, let's call Father and get a little, let's double check that. Let's get a little deeper view on it. But also, when it comes to the events, for example, we have a group here and they look at the faith and then they move deeper into it what is the reason for this? Why do we Catholics believe this? And as that group has grown, they've brought others in, they've talked about it, they're reaching out, and it actually evolved into a street ministry where they stood down by Paul and Babe with a cart, with some books, with some medals, with some rosaries, and they encountered people on the street. I was very impressed with that, very impressed that our people would move forward. Our Bible studies become stronger as people hear the word and then they share it with one another. Oh boy. Here we go. It's that time. It's that time again. We're into straight talk where you're invited to call in and I believe, as Karen said, see if you can stump the priest, which would be me. Um, That would be a great challenge and I would be very willing to say I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. You know, and if they stump you, does that mean they have bragging rights because they stumped a diocesan administrator? Well, if that's the way they want to look at it, that's fine with me. I would definitely look at it that way. I would tend to look at it as just stumped a priest, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever. But that's because you're the priest. (laughs) That's good. Yes, for sure. So we're, we're waiting and willing to have calls from you. Uh, the number is 877-795-0122. You might be interested in uh, uh, learning more about administrator, possibly how um, we, a, a bishop is chosen. Um, I've, I've done some reading on that to find out that, so that might be something worth reflecting on. Uh, there can be all kinds of things that would be of interest to you out there, and we, we invite you and encourage you, if you're listening, to call in. You can also use Facebook or you can also use the uh, Real Presence Radio app. So there's three different ways that you can get your questions to us and we'll attempt to answer those. So again, 877-795-0122. We look forward to hearing from you, so give us a call as we begin this hour of straight talk. So 
What's so, on? You know, go ahead. I was going to say, what's on your mind? That's yeah, what so you're going to ask me. Oh gonna, my goodness! Me, what's we, on your mind? Yeah. We are way too. Yeah, we we think alike. Yeah, that's that's good. scary. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. Um, there's a couple of things. Today is the feast of um, the beheading of John the Baptist, and um, um, probably one of the most interesting uh, uh, passages in the scriptures that I, I like to read at Mass is the story of the beheading of John the Baptist. Now I say, I listen, I mean I say that because um, there's a lot of scripture passages that are, are moving or touching in one way or another. Uh, this one I'd like to read at Mass because something very interesting happens, I find, with the congregation in the reading of the beheading of John the Baptist that happens in no other scripture passage that I ever read at Mass. You have me intrigued. Yes. What it is is people get very quiet Really? That's what I sense. Okay. They get very quiet, and they focus in. And so this started happening when I was a young priest, and I would think, why is this happening? What's going on? Um, obviously, it's a good story. Yeah. Not a story. I mean, it's a story everybody knows. Right. The outcome of. Right. But it's a story that I think touches deeply on human experience, on the reality of of the attraction of the gospel as well as the reality of sin. It's kind of like what we're going to talk about at the summit. Yeah, it is. And and I think what people, when they hear the story, my sense is that people want it to be different. Okay. They want, in the end, um, for um, Herod to, you know, say to his, uh, who would have, would have been his stepdaughter, um, his wife's daughter. They want to say. They want him to say to her, "I won't do that," because it's the wrong thing to do. Right. But um, and I think I think we listen to the gospel. And we want that to be the answer, you know, because it's it's um, the, you know the reality of the sin, the the pride, um, the fear, right, um, and the and the misuse of power, um, the seduction, all right. of that. It's it's like. You know the, the 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 seven capital sins are kind of on display, right? <laughs> and we keep thinking. I think as we listen to it, maybe, maybe this will be different now. Maybe this time. Maybe this time it'll change. Yeah, this time Herod won't, will say no. Maybe this time Herodias will have a change of heart. Maybe this time uh, the daughter Salome will say that's wrong, mother. I can't do that. Something. Something. Yeah. Th- there is this, and to me it's like there's this eternal hope that is the God deep within us that wants it to be different. Um, and so I think that's why people are captivated by the story, why they can listen to it. You know, I think we, we read this gospel at least once a year, if not twice a year, um, and and they, they want it to be different. So I, I think that's why there's this kind of rapt silence. Well, I wonder if it helps you stop and take a, a kind of a deep look at the decisions you've been making in the yes. recent days to say, where where have I made the wrong choice too. I, th- I think that's another part of it. I think it's we we identify with the characters yeah. in the story. It's easy to identify with. I mean, because you can clearly see the evil. You can clearly see where th- where people are making the wrong choices, and then you're like, oh yeah, wait, I yeah. maybe I'm not that 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 bad, right? But I do make those same types of decisions. I'm, I'm boastful. Yeah. I can be arrogant. Um, I can um, use other people. Right. Um, I can uh, be vindictive, vengeful, 
those kind of things. So anyway, that's just a thought. Um, we're, we're doing straight talk here, and Karen and I have a great conversation, but we'd love to join, have you join in with us. So 877-795-0122. You can call. You can come in on uh, Facebook or use the, the uh, Real Presence Radio app. Any of those ways that you can get a question to us, we'd be happy to try to answer it. Um, to engage you in what topics, concerns, questions you might have. It might be something about the Mass, something about what we've just been talking about, something totally different. Uh, might be a question you've always wanted to know. Um, so um, please just uh, take the time to pick up the phone. Um, get on uh, the computer, 877 You know, if they don't call in, you and I, we'd have no problem coming up with things to talk about. No, that's true. <laughs> so they better call in. <laughs> yeah, they better call in or it's just going to be a lot of us talking to each other. So so I see Eli has a question. Eli, what's your question I for Father? I do have a question. So I was wondering if a parish, if a parish administrator can excommunicate anybody. You mean a diocesan administrator? Or, yeah, that's what I meant. Diocesan yes. administrator. Okay, can I excommunicate anybody? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, hopefully, I'll never have to find that out. Um, excommunication isn't isn't. I would put it this way, Eli. Excommunication isn't something that a bishop decides so much as it becomes a reality that he has to announce. In other words, excommunication comes about because someone has voluntarily chosen to do something of such an egregious nature that it separates them from God and from his church and that there is a, a and it's a, fairly public at that point yes right? and a lack of repentance you know a, a kind of an entrenchment a, a resistance um, that that would lead the bishop to say there's nothing we can do other than announce or declare that this person is separated himself from the church so I mean I'd put it that way in the sense that I, I that a, even a bishop doesn't excommunicate someone. They simply declare what is the reality um, and make it public and official. So it, it becomes, you know, um, <clears throat> but I would guess, I'm going to step on a limb and guess, I would guess that if an administrator encountered such a situation and it become necessary to do that, uh, that he could make that pronouncement um, because it, it wouldn't be... Um, uh, something innovative because it's not coming it's not something he's deciding it's coming f from outside to him and 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 of course and i know as a diocese administrator if that if something ever that serious manifested itself i would immediately go to my brother bishops and talk to them and say um okay guys <laughs> here's what i'm facing i need your help i need to understand what direction i should go what i sh what should happen um so that's the way I'd, appro I'd approach that. Um, but like, and again, I say, hopefully that won't happen. So, thanks, Eli. It was a good question. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Again, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Call in if you have any questions or concerns about uh, anything. So I, I said, you, you asked me. Yeah, what's, what's on, on my mind? What's on your mind? You know, not much. <laughs> <laughs> not you know, much. no, I just. I am an, you know, okay. What is when you feel like, um, I don't know. Okay. I know when t we last talked about, uh, when we were on air about how the summer kind of messes up your prayer life because you're going every which direction and you don't really focus in. How do you pull yourself back into that routine? I mean, what are some, you just have to do it, right? But how... 
I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think when you identify, I'm, you know, I've come undone. Um, I, I think you have to, you have to say, you know, okay, it's time to get back. Uh, one thing I think is important. First of all, I don't think I don't think you should. Uh, I don't think you should um, spend a lot of time beating yourself up. Okay. You acknowledge, yes, I've been lax. I've been, I've you know, fallen down kind of in my routine. So that the first thing is because because I think to to kind of beat ourselves up a lot really betrays a sense of I don't really trust the mercy and love of God. You know. All right. Um, okay. And so I think part of it is when you identify it, it, it it's obviously an error. It's wrong. It might even be sinful. And you say, I need to I need to go back. So I think that's the first thing. And then secondly, I think you just pick up again what was your routine or your pattern in the past, and uh, um, and and uh, you know, start. So that'd be a good way to, I think, to give you kind of an indication of how we begin. So, right, all right. Well, we have Carol from Nislin on the phone. Carol, are you there? Uh, I am. I'm Kathy, though. Oh, Kathy. Okay. <laughs> Hi, that's, Kathy. That's great. Hi, Kathy. Hi there. <laughs> Hi, um, Father Mike. I had a question for you. I, okay. I went through RCIA back in 2008. Uh huh. And I, I never learned the answer to this because at the time I never even thought to ask it, but I see people come into the sanctuary and, of course, they use the holy water to cross themselves. They acknowledge the crucifix and the tabernacle, but I'm wondering what is the actual appropriate order to do those things? You know, do you cross yourself and then genuflect to the crucifix and the tabernacle? What do you do do when you enter the sanctuary? Okay, uh, good question. Let me clarify. Sanctuary means um, sanctuary is the area. You're talking about the area where the altar is located, or you're talking about the whole church. Well, when you when you come into the church where the pews are and everything, when you first walk okay. in, right. um, I see people use the use the holy water, and then from that spot, not from when they're getting into their pew, right. but from that spot, I see them. Some people bow. Some people genuflect. Okay. Some people don't do anything. Okay, let, let me give you some clarity on that because I think that's a really good question. <clears throat> First of all, the gestures. There's The church gives us two gestures, well, three. Let's go back to the, you know, walk into the church. I think the first thing most people do is they they would um, dip their hand in the holy water and they would bless themselves, make the sign of the cross and, you know, okay. say in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. That usually is the first thing you do. Um, what that says is I'm a Catholic, I'm baptized, I have a relationship with Jesus and his church, and as I walk into this space, I'm acknowledging that. I'm, I'm opening myself up to that presence of God and his son Jesus that are present in that space and through the baptism that I've received. Then, then there's two gestures after that. There is a bow that's generally done to the altar. Now, the altar meaning the place where the sacrifice happens. And the bow to the altar is done because that is the focal point of the church when the mass is going on. And most people, when they're, if you're talking about coming in to go to mass, you're coming in to prepare yourself to enter into that sacrifice with Jesus, which is focused, if you will, on the altar. You know, the, the, all, the whole mass is important, but that, that altar becomes the focal point because it's there that we um, we remember what Jesus did for us and we believe he becomes truly and really present to us. So there's the gesture for crossing in front of the altar is a bow. 
the gesture for of genuflection is reserved for the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. Okay, <clears throat> and so and so okay. when you walk into the church, um, you can certainly genuflect right away if you recognize that the Blessed Sacrament is in the church. If you recognize the Blessed Sacrament is there in front of you, um, you can genuflect uh, right away. You can also move into the church till you get to your pew. What's important is that you're conscious when you genuflect of to whom or you are genuflecting. So you're acknowledging Christ present in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, if, if the church doesn't have a, a, bless, a, a tabernacle in the, in the church proper, if it's in a side chapel, then you would bow to the altar. If the tabernacle okay. is in the church, either in the sanct- in, uh, behind the altar or in, you know up by the altar, or if it's to either side, you would genuflect in the direction of that tabernacle and then go into the pew. So if there's a tabernacle there and you're genuflecting, you wouldn't necessarily bow to the altar. If there is no tabernacle present in the church proper, you would bow to the altar. And it's a profound bow. It's a bending of the body um, to acknowledge sure. um, the action of Christ that will take place at the altar in a few moments. So that would be my answer to you. That's a fantastic answer. I'm so grateful that I called. Oh, well, good. Thanks <laughs> I feel for like calling. Now, now, when I go into church, people won't be judging me because I I know that I I know that I didn't know the answer to that. Sure. And so, and I just felt bad to ask it, but I'm so glad that I got the chance. Thank you, great, Father. Kathy. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, we have a a listener question from Mary and Bismarck. Mary says, "Why did it take the Israelites forty years to go through the desert?" And she also thinks that Father Mike would make a good bishop. <laughs> well, Mary, thank you for the vote of confidence. <clears throat> um, in terms of me being a bishop, I don't think it's going to happen, but thanks anyway. Um, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, why did it take the Israelites 40 years to go through the desert? Um, um, f- uh, the uh, scriptural understanding of that is is they committed a, an egregious offense against the Lord, and because of that, he said that you're going <clears> to <throat> you're going to suffer the consequences of the choice you made and so they wandered in the desert and and, and 40 in the in the biblical language is a is a significant number um you know Jesus was in the desert for 40 days in his, his fasting the israelites wandered 40 years in the desert those are two examples so the number has a significance in terms of of saying that this was a significant amount of time, and and it obviously it was a significant amount of time, um, and and but it but they why did it take so long? It was the result of of God's um, allowing the Israelites to suffer the consequences of the sin that they committed. So that's why I'd say it you know it, it took that long time. And what they did was they they denied that God would take care of them when they entered the promised land. They they became fearful and resisted that 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 presence of God and the power in his life and he said because of that um, and the other thing he says is that none of you who have who have diso- been disobedient to me will ever see the promised land and it takes a few takes years a while to for that, that to get done. So to that's, accomplish that. So Mary that's what I, how I would answer your question and thanks again for thinking I would be a good bishop. I really appreciate that. Have yeah. a good day. Okay so I've always wanted to say this. Phone lines are open. Call in right now. <laughs> there you go. Right? All okay, right. the number is 877-795-0122. And we would love to have you call in and, and try to stump Father right now. 
Okay, so we have um, the, another way you can get in contact with us is on Facebook. Um, just search for Real Presence um, and Radio, and you can find the link to the post with Father's picture on there and, and ask a question. So this one is from Blaze, which happens to be my son. So yes. Don't oh, go easy. Hi, Blaze. Um, <coughs> since Jesus is both God and man, does he have a human soul with his divine spirit? Wow. Blaze. When I come to supper next time, you're going to have to cook the whole meal. <laughs> um, hope you like hamburgers. <laughs> hope you like hamburgers. Uh, Blaze, that's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, and I'm going to take a stab at this because um, it's interesting. This was, on, um, this was a question asked on a radio show on, uh, with EWTN, and I listened to it, and I, was pretty, uh, I found it attractive and interesting to, um, to what, he was, uh, what, was, um, what he was saying. And my memory of that is that, that Jesus does have, that there's two natures. We believe that in Jesus there's two natures. He's truly God and truly man. So everything you say about Jesus, everything you say about God, you have to say about Jesus. Anything that's true about God is true about Jesus. Anything you say about man is also true of Jesus Accept the reality of sin, sin. in, in yeah. human in human beings' lives. So, does a man or a human person have a human soul? Yes. Did Jesus? Yes. Um, now, when you talk about he was fully God, um, obviously the Holy Spirit was present, therefore, in his life. So, is the Holy Spirit present in in Jesus? The answer, obvious answer to that, is is um, is yes. So, I would say yes. He has a human soul, and yes, he has a divine spirit. That would be my answer, and I am very willing, if anybody out there is listening, going, uh-uh, not quite right, Father, um, I would be very willing to, to uh, have a response to that. But that would be the, because the last thing I want to do is lead people astray. Um, but that would be my understanding or my explanation of that for Blaze. So I appreciate you calling in, Blaze, and I'm looking forward to that hamburger. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Uh, okay, well, and we have a comment from Tony on Facebook, and I think we could all agree with this. She says, thank you for all you do, Father Mike. Appreciate that, Tony, very much. Um, um, I always tell people um, what's on my calendar is on my calendar because I want it on my calendar because I put it on my calendar. Yeah. And if I have a secretary who's putting things on my calendar, I can't blame her because I've told her to put it on my calendar. Right. So everything I do, I do because I want to do it, but I do appreciate um, the acknowledgement of that and and um, thank you, too, for what you do for spreading the good news about Jesus in our world. So... Um, it's it's a great life, it really is. <laughs> well, I I think that I think later you should probably say a hail mary for Tony or something. That would be a nice idea. You know, yeah. she's like, she's obviously really grateful for you. Yep, so you for sure. Return that with, you know, some type of generous thing. So if you want to call in, um, number is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. And you know, last time we were on, I got that number completely mixed up, and so I practiced it all month. And you did a, you're doing a great job. You know. Yeah, is Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the question. Okay, we have Wendy on the phone. Wendy from Lead, are you there? Hi. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Father. So I just first I want to say thank you for everything that you. Uh, that you're doing. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, and I feel very blessed to know you. So thank you thank for you. stepping up. Appreciate it. Um, yes. Uh, my question is, um, I'm wondering, during the Our Father in the Mass, you know, some people put their hands up, some people hold hands. 
I prefer to keep my hands to myself because to do otherwise is distracting from what's going on at the altar. Um, I've read that nowhere in the rubrics does it say people are supposed to put their hands up during the Our Father. In fact, they're not because the priest is the one who's making the offering. Um, I just wondered if you could speak to that and, you know, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> um, I can, Wendy, speak to that. Um, so you you are right in that there is no rubrical description of what people do during the Our Father except to pray it. Okay? So mm-hmm. the gesture, any hand gesture is not in the general instruction. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. You can say if it's not in the general instruction, then we shouldn't do it. Or you can say if it's not in the general instruction, then you're free to do whatever. Um, I would tend to f- to follow the first uh, course of action that says I, I think the general instruction was put together in a careful way and so I would mm-hmm. say what's there I should do obviously if they give me an option I can take an option you know mm-hmm. you can right. do this or this I think I have the freedom to do that but if it's not there it's probably not there because of some um, reasoning or some understanding or because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so my encouragement to people would be to to not do anything with your hands except fold them. Specifically, okay. the gesture of raising your hands in a prayer gesture, it's called an orans position. Um, now, to pray that way, if you're at home and you want to raise your hands and pray the Our Father, that's that's fine. When you walk into the context of Mass, Mass is a ritualized activity. What that means is there's a set, kind of a set pattern of the way that we do it. And within that pattern, there's options and variations, okay? But... One of the gestures that's pretty clearly stated is that the priest, in extending his hands, in opening his hands and, and extending them, however priests do that, and there's different ways that people priests do that, but basically when a priest lifts his hands up in prayer, he's praying on behalf of the people. And okay. so that the specificity of what raised hands means in liturgy, I would say is that the person that the person raising their hands is praying on behalf of the people. That's a That's a... A specific gesture that's reserved for the priest at Mass. Um, it is not a gesture that is given to the faithful, because in in when we all we're all praying together, um, then you know I'm not praying I'm not praying for somebody else. I'm praying for myself. In 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 most of the contexts of Mass, but the priest as the as Christ present in his leadership is praying on behalf of the people, and you'll often notice that if you listen carefully to the prayers he prays that he's saying he's praying you know we the church or things like that and so i would say holding your hands up in a gesture of during the our father is not appropriate in my estimation now having said all that if because there is no directive that says you can't do that i also don't Mm -hmm. think you should um fault people or say you're doing that wrong but i also think it's perfectly okay for you wendy to say i'm going to pray the our father with my hands folded um, I okay. don't think we should ever, when, when there's no gesture given, we should ever force other people to um, to uh, do something that's not in the rubric. So, anyway, all right? All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Wendy. You all right. Um, we have a, a caller has a comment on the Our Father discussion. Did you want to? Oh, go ahead. Read it. Okay. It says, member of AA um, says that they 
always hold hands at AA. There is a tradition observed at these meetings while saying the Lord's Prayer. And I've been at more. I've not been at AA meetings, but I'm at um, adult children of alcoholics meetings, and that's absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with it there. We, you know, we have because it's outside of the it's, mass. It's not the mass, and, and okay. there are you know that is a custom and a tradition in the AA meetings that is perfectly acceptable, um, because the people. Um, uh, in that setting, <clears throat> want to do that, choose to do that. Right. Um, and as I said at the end, you know, in, in talking to Wendy, because it doesn't say you can't do that at Mass, if somebody wants to hold hands, it's not as if they're doing something wrong. Right, they haven't violated some... No, but they also should not impose it on somebody else. Right. You know, I'm be guessing... Be respectful. At, I'm guessing at an A meeting, if people doesn't, somebody doesn't want to hold hands, they don't. the A meeting yeah. aren't going to be upset about that. So we have one okay. more call. All right, we have Susie on the line from Gillette. Good morning, Susie. Hi. Hi, Susie. Good morning. How are you? Hi, Father. Good. What, good. Yeah. What's your question? Okay. The people who set up for Mass when they're carrying the vessels up to the credence table and then after Mass, you know, removing them back to the sacristy, mm-hmm. uh, are they allowed or required to bow at the altar when they pass it? Um, you know, here's the way I would understand that. I, I, I would understand, you know, the, the rubric is, you know, speaks about Mass in the context of Mass. When you're, you, you bob when you pass in front of the altar during Mass. <clears throat> so there isn't a specific guideline for what do you do when you're setting up. Here's the way I'd look at that. I'd say if I'm, if I'm a sacristan and I'm passing in front of the, back and forth for the altar, you know, five, ten times setting up, I think I would bow the first time I do that. Then I think as I busy myself in that activity, I wouldn't necessarily do that every single time. Now, that's an interpretation on my part. There's nothing that says that's right or wrong. Um, and if somebody does bow and they, every time they pass in front of the altar, that's fine as well. But I think sometimes, you know, the, the sense is I walk in, I, I acknowledge that I um, am... Uh, that the altar is there, I acknowledge what its what its its meaning and its purpose is, and then I have this work to do, um, and and so I go about my work. Maybe at the end of setting up for mass, the last time I pass in front of the tabernacle, I would um, or in front of the altar, I would bow, um, and I would say the same thing in terms of genuflecting in front of the tabernacle. Um, if if I'm walking in the sanctuary, I genuflect the tabernacle the first time that I do that, and then I would. Um, do it again maybe at the end before I'm finished with my work. Um, I hope that makes sense, Susie. It's, it's not, again, there's nothing real clear about that. And again, it's not a... Well, a and, and you can't limit your love for God at that point. No. And, but so I think sometimes that, the practicality of yeah. what I have to do requires right. me to go about this. And I think sometimes when you're carrying in a oh, tray full of vessels, you, you don't want to try to genuflect if you're in front oh, of the tabernacle yeah. or bow and somehow spill or do, do those. So that'd be my answer, Susie. I hope that helps. Okay, that made it very clear. Thank you so much. All Thanks right. for calling, Susie. You bet. Well, we're wrapping up on this, coming to the end of our uh, 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 straight talk. That was a great time. I loved it. Thank you, everybody, for the questions, the comments that they brought with us. That was really wonderful. Um, thanks to all of you um, for um, spending time with us this morning. We really appreciate that. Reminder that this segment is on at 8.30 Central, Mountain Time, 9.30 Central Time, um, every Monday through Friday. Up next, uh, we'd like to pray for your intentions during the prayer for yours. Later in the show, um, how can you recognize the signs of someone 
that you might love who's at risk for suicide? That's a real question that we'll, we will be visiting with Evelyn Weiler about that. Please stay tuned. You're listening to Father Mike Loring, Karen Gibis on Real Presence Live from Terra Sancta Retreat Center. <laughs> 